the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, yeah, sometimes we can get away with things for a while, but know this, God never forgets. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Yes, Jacob was completely and totally convinced that Rachel was the only woman for him. Could you imagine if we had that same kind of love for the Lord? What would happen if we had that love for the Lord? Think about it. Oh, how our work and service for the Lord would always be done with a heart of joy. Wherever the Lord would send us, it would never seem too far. Whatever the Lord asks us to do, it would never seem too hard. Whatever sacrifice we had to make, it would never seem like it was too much. Whatever price it costs us as Christians, it would never seem too high. Yes, our hardships and tough trials would only seem like moments because of our steadfast love for the Lord. Yes, if we could only grasp a love like that, a love like Jacob had for Rachel if we could only embrace that for the Lord. Then when the cares of this life would storm around us and come and knock at the thresholds of our own hearts, we could wait on the promises of God as we meditate on his word. Then we would consider his tender mercies so dear to us. Yes, that's the kind of love that Jacob had for Rachel. Then the day finally came when his time was up And the wedding was on. Oh, could you imagine after seven years? Oh, they only seem like a few days, but oh man, we're ready to go now. Let's go. You know, so many of the ladies will come to their fiancés and say, well, what color flowers? I'm debating between this color and this color. And the guy's like, I don't care. All the man cares about is the honeymoon. Here's Jacob. It's been seven years. Get me to the honeymoon. Okay. This guy is ready. Okay. Which brings up our third point. Getting played. Let's read what happens next. Chapter 29, verse 21 says, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my time is completed. Hey, who's keeping track of it? I am. (laughs) Okay. I am. I got a calendar in my pocket here. Okay. Yes. That I may go into her. See? What is he thinking about? Oh, he wants the honeymoon. He's ready. Verse 22, Laban gathered all the men of the place And they made a feast. Man, we're going to have a beautiful wedding here. Verse 23. Now in the evening, he took his daughter Leah. Uh, Well, uh, hit the the brakes. He took his daughter Leah and brought her to him. 
And Jacob went into her. This is why you shouldn't drink on your wedding night. It's like, this boy is a little tipsy. Okay. Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came about in the morning that behold, it was Leah. No, so in the Bible is an exclamation point. It was Leah. No. And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? Oh, the deceiver is being deceived. But Laban said, well, it's not the practice of our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week with this one. Go have your little honeymoon for a week with Leah. And I will give you the other, the beauty queen, also for the service which you shall serve me another seven years. So Jacob did so and completed Leah's week, and he gave him his daughter, Rachel, finally, as his wife. And Laban also gave his maid, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, as a maid. So Jacob went in to Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah and served with Laban for another seven years. Oh, man, talk about Drama. There is no soap opera that's got more drama than the Bible gives us. Man, we we got drama here. I mean, this is drama. I mean, this is the old bait and switch routine. You know, advertise one product and then sell the cheaper version. But this isn't a vacuum cleaner. This isn't some hair dryer. This isn't a cheaper version of a tablet or an iPhone or something. Hey, Laban, these are your daughters. What are you doing I'm thinking, you know, he's not scoring any points with Rachel. Like, what have you done here? How could he be such a double-crossing dog? How could Laban betray his own daughters? Well, obviously, Jacob has met his match. Laban would make a great used car salesman. This guy is a con artist. He's a card shark. He's a deceiver extraordinaire, you could say, a real-life walking double-crosser. Yes, Jacob deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright. Jacob deceived his own father Isaac out of the family blessing. And now, oh, Jacob is reaping what he has sown. Yes, sometimes we can get away with things for a while, for a season, but know this, God never forgets. And if we're not willing as Christians to truly repent of what we've done and how we choose to live, you know, if we've got an area of unrepentant sin in our life, then guess what? You will reap what you have sown. God can forgive us. And sometimes God will pull away that reaping. I mean, you know, us sowing. But if if we don't, it will come on us. And it might not be immediately, but it will happen eventually. Remember, when Jacob and Esau were still in Rebekah's womb, God said that the older will serve the younger, meaning God had already predetermined that Esau was going to serve under his younger brother, Jacob. Why then the problem? Well, it's when Rebekah and Jacob connived, where they schemed, where they lied to make it happen. That's where the guilt came from. 
because of all their deception. Yes, many will still manipulate today, will they not? You know, they will work the system. You know, we do whatever we can to get our way. I had a Christian that was coming here a little over a year ago, before COVID, and he was telling me he was looking for a job, but not yet. I'm like, what do you mean not yet? He goes, well, I got, I got benefits still, all these uh, benefits from the city and all of this and the state, you know, for another year. So I'm not going to look for a job for a year. I'm like, you are completely out of line. As a Christian, you need to be honest and upright. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he should not eat. And it's like, you're going to milk the system because they have benefits that you can take advantage of for another year before you're going to start looking for a job? Listen here, young man, you need to go get a job today. You have a job right now, and that's to go get a job. And not just to milk the system because the system is milkable. It's like, we need to have honesty and uprightness. I wonder if we've been guilty of trying to move God's hand a little faster in a direction than what it's been moving so far. So we need to help God out. Understand, God had a plan for Jacob, and he would have worked it out. And what was God's plan on making Esau serve his brother? Well, guess what? We'll never know. We won't ever have a clue because we didn't get a chance to see it because Rebecca and Jacob jumped the gun. And it's just like, you know, God could have got attacked by a bear or a lion or something and got all maimed up and who knows and what, I mean, who knows what would have happened, but somehow Esau would have served Jacob and God would have made it happen. Yes, God is able to make all things work according to his perfect plan and purpose for our lives. He doesn't, I repeat, God doesn't need our help. I wonder how many times in our lives that we have failed to see God's hand move all because we jumped the gun. We made something happen on our own. We refinanced our debt over a longer period of time instead of learning the lesson of stewardship. See, I've seen people have like, okay, they all this debt. So they'll refinance their house and then they'll take this Massive credit card debt, 15, 20 grand credit card debt, and they'll put it back into the loan of the house and they'll pay off their car and all this, and they'll be completely debt free. They'll pay off all their bills. They put it back into a 30 year loan. So your credit card bill that should have been paid off in a year is now back into a 30 year loan. And then because they never learned the lesson of stewardship, a year later, 24 months later, their credit card debt's all back up again and they've got other payments and, and they're back in debt again. Why? Because you didn't learn stewardship. So therefore, you're right back in the same place that you were before. Or how many after, you know, a failed relationship have jumped right back into another relationship? So you were dating someone that was outside of God's will for you in the first place. And then when that thing blew up, you just went back into another relationship. All in the name of I'm sick and tired of being single. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of waiting. Instead of waiting and trusting that God has a plan for your life. Listen, have you ever thought that maybe the reason that you're in this season of life, that you're to remain single for a little bit, to really grow as the person that God desires you to be? See, maybe you're the problem. What if you're the one that needs to be changed? Like, what if God's got the perfect prince for you or the perfect princess for you? And the problem is you. So you have to be, you know, those rough edges have to be taken off of you so that you don't 
destroy the person that God's trying to give you. See, so so maybe there, it's just for a reason, for a season that you are to be single here so that you become who God who desires you to be for the mate that he desires you to have. Remember God's promise to us in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And his plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. So look, nobody loves us more than God loves. Okay, your mom, your dad, you know, whoever, your best friend, you know, your bestie, you know, whatever, your spouse. Nobody loves you as much as God loves you. So he wants the best for you. So it's like we have to somewhere come to grips with daddy knows best. So I therefore have to just say, Lord, I need to trust you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm frustrated. But Lord, I have to trust that you have my best interest. Therefore, I'm going to wait on you. Oh, man. Okay, that's when you're going to speed things up. Because you're never going to outdo the Lord. If you're going to manipulate, 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 manipulate. It's like God's just like, okay, well, I'll, I'll check back with you in a year. Okay, all right. He comes back next year. Oh, yeah, you're still manipulating. Okay, all right, I'll see you next year. And then, yeah, 2024, it's going to be your year. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, oh, my goodness. I mean, you, you, does that not just hit you like a, like a two-by-four in the face? Like, maybe I need to just back off right now. And maybe I don't have to wait till 2024. Maybe something happens in 2021. But getting back to Jacob... Seven years had went by. He just seemed like a few days for my love for Rachel. And Jacob, man, he's ready for the wedding of his dreams. And all he got was a good taste of reaping what he has sown. As the deceiver got deceived. I think he had a little too much to drink on his wedding night, like I said before. And his new father-in-law does the old switcheroo. And because of a deceiving sister, and let's not let Leah off the hook here, when daddy came to her and said, hey, I'm going to do this whole thing. So you want a husband? Uh, Yeah, I want a husband. No one likes me. No one looks at me. It's like, I'll take a husband. I want a husband. I want a husband. Okay. So it's like she's a deceiving dog just like her dad because she knows that Jacob loves Rachel. She knew everything. She went along with it. She went into the dark tent. They didn't have electricity back there. There wasn't LED lights, right? Okay. So, you know, they're all congratulating. I'm married, man. Give me some more of that wine. I'm married, man. Okay. Hey, buddy, why don't you go in? I'm going in. I'm going in, man. It's just like, I'm going in. And it's like, he gets in that tent, you know, and it's just pitch black in there. It's like, hey, sweetie pie, where are you? Over here. <laughs> And he crawled under the covers, you know. There was a, he got the bear woman. Oh, man, he's just like, oh, he's loving life. And they did it. The tango went down. It all happened. Man, he's just like, this is the best day of my life. Remember how she was described? Her eyes were weak, droopy face. (laughs) Rachel was beautiful in Form, body, and face. Well, Jacob wakes up the next morning, you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's the best day of my life. Oh, it's just like, oh, it's so good. Oh. 
Oh my goodness. It's like, what are you doing in my bed? As Leah looks over, hi, sugar muffin. I'm your wife. <laughs> it's like, no. Oh, yes, I just gave my virginity to you. I'm your wife. Oh, man, he races out of that tent. I'm, I'm hoping he had clothes on at that point. Okay, He frantically runs over to Laban in verse 25. You, you have deceived me. This is the pot calling the kettle black. Jacob couldn't believe it. How could this happen? You know, our sin always looks as bad on us as when it happens to us. <laughs> it's like, you know, it never, it never seems as bad when it's someone. I mean, it's like, but when it happens to us, it's like when you steal something. You know, when you're younger and you steal stuff, I, you know, I say, man, it's great. It's the greatest thing ever. I didn't have to pay for it. I got something really cool. I just snagged it. Five-finger discount. Boom. I just bagged it. And then you get older and you have stuff you paid your hard money for and someone steals it. And you're like, oh, I can't believe it. How could someone steal that from me? Ah, dog. Yeah, it always looks worse when it's on us. The very same thing we've done to other people. Jacob was a player, but the player just got played. You have met your match, young man, Uncle Laban, and he puts you in the club. And he tells him, all right, well, listen, son, go into Leah, make her your wife for a week. Then I'll give you Rachel the next week. I mean, this kid's desperate. Okay, whatever. Goes in, yeah, okay, all right, come here, droopy, whatever, you know. But next week he got Rachel. Okay, so he had the honeymoon of his dreams the next week. But know this, God never condoned multiple wives. Now he's got two wives. He only wanted one wife, now he's got two wives. In fact, God condemns having more than one wife. And everyone in the Bible that did it anyway always ended up paying a huge price for it. Consider David one of the greatest kings Israel ever knew. It's like, you know, he was a giant slayer. David, the psalmist, had multiple wives. See, David blew off what God said. See, God said in Deuteronomy 17, 17, do not multiply wives. And he rejected what God said. And David reaped all kinds of havoc in his home because he didn't listen to that. Oh, it all seemed fine at first. You know, he's got this wife. Oh, you're pretty sweet. And I got my Tuesday wife. I got my Wednesday wife. I got my Thursday wife. I got my Friday wife. I, I mean, he just had wives coming out of his ears. And so, yeah, he was a man that was, you know, uh, sexually fulfilled. But boy, did it come back and sting him. Because what do you think those wives were doing jockeying for position with David? You think there was any cat fights in there with those wives? You know, all trying to find favoritism with him, popping out babies, all the babies jealous of the other kids. Who's one that's going to be the favor of, you know, wonderful King David? You know, it's like, oh, my goodness. And then as those kids got older, you had one wife that had a son that took advantage of another wife's daughter and molested her, and then that another son from that wife came and killed that son for what he had did to his sister, his half-sister, but that was his full sister, so he killed him. Then there was one that raised up and caused a mutiny in David's life, tried to take over the kingdom. I mean, 
Oh, there was a bunch of stuff happening in his home. He was not a happy camper at all with his home life. Today we see the beginning of a family being completely ripped apart by Uncle Laban. I wonder what kind of relationship that Leah, the older sister, and Rachel had before Jacob ever came on the scene. Leah was older. I wonder, you know, we don't know how much older. We don't know if she was two years older, five years older, six years older, ten years older. We don't know. Maybe she was playing little mommy when Rachel was born. Oh, let me hold the baby. I'll take care of her. Let me change her diaper, you know. You know, let me take her. Maybe they were so close while they were growing up. Yet as maybe when they became young women, maybe some strife started happening there. Why? Well, again, the Bible tells us that Rachel was extremely beautiful and Leah, she had a droopy, droopy face. Maybe it it just caused a little riff, you know, there, you know, I'm sure she didn't get near the attention from the other boys as her sister Rachel was always getting. So that caused some strife. You know, you can hear relatives say, oh, Rachel, you are so cute. And maybe they looked at Leah, Leah, you sweep the floor so wonderfully. You know, we're not told exactly what did Laban do with Rachel on the wedding night. I mean, did he tie her up and lock her in the closet? I mean, because, you know, that didn't go down well. Because, I mean, here's Leah. She's having her whole wedding. Then all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to go with my husband. Uh, No, here, come over here. I mean, where did he, how did he tie her up? I mean, she couldn't have went down easy with that. I'll tell you what, that was a rough night for Rachel. I bet she cried all night long. No, not her dog sister. How could you do that? Talk about the biggest betrayal you could ever do. You're my sister, and you went in and slept with my husband as it was me? Oh, you tell me that there's not a riff in this family now? Oh, my goodness. One thing for sure, if there was no jealousy before, oh, it's a wide-open can of jealousy now. And according to the dictionary, to be jealous means to be intolerant of rivalry which, of course, can leave us hostile towards that person, hostile towards them. Proverbs 27, 4 says, wrath is a fierce as anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy? One thing about anger, it can come up and like, get mad about something, and then you, you, you blow it off, and okay, all right, I'm over it now. Okay, it happens. You get mad about something, something happens, you know, then okay, it's over. Jealousy, though, oh, that thing could sit in you for a long time. Someone gets raised up in a job that you should have had. You were more qualified for it, but they were more uh, likable, and so they got your job. Now, now you go to work. Now you have to answer to that person. It just, it just eats on you every day. Every day it eats on you. You go to bed at night, it eats on you. But you're telling me this isn't something. You stole my husband. You stinking wench. How could you do that to me? It's one thing if dad said it, why did you go along with it? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. This is something this is not going to get over with ever. They're never going to get over this. I wonder if Laban thought, I'll knock out two birds with one stone. I can get poor Leah a husband because, you know, no one's going to marry her. And I'll get seven more years of free labor out of Jacob. And he's like, hey, man, this is a great deal for me. But what about the repercussions on your daughters? How could you do this to your daughters? Well, he didn't do Leah and Rachel any favors whatsoever. All Laban did was sow the fruit of jealousy in his family that will never end. Think about how unfair it was to Leah. Oh, at first she's thinking like, oh, I'm going to give me a husband. I'm going to give me a husband. I'm going to get married. You know, It's like, Leah, 
This is the worst thing that could have happened to you. How unfair. Jacob didn't want anything to do with Leah. And it's not his fault. He never wanted Leah. But now he's reaping what he sowed. And he's married to Leah also. And even worse, Leah is married to a man who loves another woman. It's like, do you really want a husband that bad? He loves your younger sister. She's always stole the spotlight from you growing up. Could you imagine just how Leah must have felt? But yet God was gracious to her. Isn't it wonderful when God reaches out and he's gracious to us when we're guilty as a dog? Have you not been guilty as a dog? I've been guilty as a dog before. Which brings up our fourth and final point, finding grace. Leah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 